Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Welcome to episode 122 of Geek Town Radio. I here this week with Ross. Hi Dave, how you doing? All right, how are you? Yeah, very well, thank you. All the better for hearing my little theme. There. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a good way of introducing you. So, <laughs> so what have you been up to? Uh, I've had uh, actually, I haven't been, I haven't been up to that much this month. It's been a, it's been a weird one. I tell you what, I did do. Do you remember last time we were on yeah. that you said that the season we, we you said that you gave the date for the season two of baskets, and I said to you, well, that's funny because season one hasn't finished yet. So I thought that was weird that that was happening yeah but you would you were dead on that as soon as season one finished season two was the next week i yeah. only found out i only found out last week so i had about three to catch up with um <laughs> but yeah i've been so i've been on season two of that it's still really good um it's taken in a different like if this was a, a, a netflix series like i'll talk about glow in a minute which i also watched but that sort of you can end to end that stands alone and the first season of Baskets, while there were questions, it sort of, they could have left it and it would have been fine, if yeah. you see what I mean. Yeah. But the fact that they've carried it on and it, and it is in some new interesting places. Yeah, but I'm re- still really enjoying it. Still really enjoying it. I think it's, um, I think it's good with uh, shows when they manage to round off the first season in a, in a reasonable way. Yeah. Just like, uh, in case, you know. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Sneaky Pete was the same. Sneaky Pete could have been, well, apart from that, it, I think it gave a little nod to a second series. Yeah. If that it was just in one big scene. But if that wasn't there, I think Sneaky Pete would have stood fine on its own. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But obviously better to get more, I suppose. Yes, definitely with that show. Uh, so yeah, like I mentioned, the other thing I've been watching is Glow uh, on Netflix, which is really good. I am into neither drama nor um, wrestling but it completely hooked me and it's really, really good. I haven't got to Glow yet. I, I've uh, I've been spending my time trying to catch up on series that I kind of dropped and, oh, uh, yeah. and have gone back well, to. That'll, so. take, that'll take you months, won't it, Dave, with your list? <laughs> yeah, well, it, it has been a bit like that, but I, you know, I'll, I'll watch, because I'll start off watching a few episodes of things and then big shows will come back. So Of course. So I yeah. start watching those and then I end up sort of using this period when there's basically nothing new coming on to or very little up. yeah to, to catch up so i've gone back and started well, yes. uh, watching stuff i would definitely recommend glow on netflix uh, if you're into mark maron or you've heard his podcast even once uh, and you enjoy it you'll really enjoy it he's he is fantastic in it and the i didn't the, the there's sort of two halves of it there's one where they're making a show about wrestling and that's interesting yeah and there's and there's one that's almost like a, a fairly predictable soap opera where like things happen that have happened in soap operas for decades. Yeah. But somehow 
I care a lot about it and about the characters and there's things about feminism and, and uh, about people being who they are and not being comfortable in their own bodies and racism. And there's a lot of different topics in there. Um, okay. Really good, really well framed. It uses, I think it uses the idea that there are these lots of different women who come together to uh, wrestle and you know wrestling's got these sort of um especially in the 80s it was very simple um stereotypes yeah. and archetypes that they'd use for things yeah. there's a lot of that and uh that part of it's really interesting is how they use that to make a character much larger than right. he or she is or sometimes isn't even um yeah. there's one one i can't remember where she's from but i think she's specifically not chinese and then put her in like they'd make her a very um stereotypical right, Chinese, yeah, yeah. you know, just because that's gonna play well with the audience. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that that sort of thing happens a lot and it's interesting to see because of course that that sort of um we'll just do it because they'll get it was very I feel like there's a very eighties mentality. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, definitely. But yeah, um, really good. Glow is really good. I've also been watching Fargo still. I've said before, I think, on this podcast that I don't think this series of Fargo is as strong. But having said that. Every week it keeps me coming back, so it can't be that bad. It can't, it can't be it's bad. Can't. Very true, very true. I, I kind of, I watched the first episode of it, and I it, that's another one I've got to go back to. So yeah. it's it's one that I will be uh, catching up on at it's some still, point. I'm, I'm still not sure who I want to win Fargo because every <laughs> every season you're like, you remember the first season there was that um the pregnant cop, and yeah, you're yeah. sort of like, I can't, you're pregnant, so you should probably win because that's that'd be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, and then in the second season, you kind of wanted Kirsten Dunst's husband to win. Right, I forget yeah. his name. Um, just because he was a little bit downtrodden and you kind of want him to win. And then in this season, I don't know who, yet who, who I want. But in, in many ways, that makes it even better. Like in Game of Thrones, I don't want any of those people to win at all. <laughs> because they're, they're all terrible. Um, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see where that goes. Um, yeah. I've also, I've also been playing uh, Crash Bandicoot. My fiance and I bought Crash Bandicoot on the PlayStation. Ah, yes. That but, seems uh, to have done really well. I know Matt's um, very into that. So, yes. It is, it is excellent. Um, my fiance played it when she was a kid. I haven't played it at all, ever. Um, I never played a Crash Bandicoot game. Uh, so, it's really interesting that she's really good at it and I'm really bad at it. But we're, both, <laughs> we're both still really bad at it. Like, it's this is, Crash 1 is a hard game. Yeah. Um, I'm told that the second one gets a bit lighter and a bit easier, but the first, I mean, it's pull your hair out stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, the, definitely would recommend it. It's only about 30 quid as well. Yeah, the the last last time I played pra Crash Bandicoot was when they snuck a bit of Crash Bandicoot into uh, yes. uh, the, the uh, what's the game called? Is it Uncharted? Uncharted, yes. Yeah, they snuck it into Uncharted, and that was the last time that I, I think I probably played it. So yeah. It's a def. I would say anyone with a PlayStation, this might be a must buy yeah. because it's it's really good. It, I, I guess if you don't like platformers, it's not really going to be much for you. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it is excellent. The last thing, Dave, uh, I've made a little podcast. Oh yes, I saw made you. Little, uh, saw you tweeting about this. This is made a little uh, podcast. <laughs> this is this is your wedding podcast. Sure. So um, for a while now, I've been listening to Startup, and Startup's really great. Um, for those who don't know, it's a podcast about a guy starting a podcast network and i started listening to one called um just make the thing which is about an australian girl who made a similar podcasting network in australia yeah um and it, it's more about when people have these creative things that they want to do and they don't end up doing them and um but the format of that sort of talking you through the steps that you're taking are uh, really interesting and i thought well, we could 
do that with the pub, uh, with the wedding and that'd be really good to just document what's happening and and you know what's happened to us and you know someone might find it useful so yeah yeah, yeah. It's, called, it's called civil partners it's on the itunes those itunes that they have now <laughs> um i don't know when they'll be coming out we haven't got a schedule at all because because most of it's retrospective because we've already done a lot of it yeah, yeah. um i don't know when they're coming out but yeah um subscribe would be good but check it out yeah it's good yeah yeah Really interesting. That's a, a great idea, I think. Really interesting idea. Um, yeah, there's the, not that many wedding podcasts around either. No, no, I'm sure they're not. Um, interesting you should mention Startup, because Startup is is going to be turned into a TV show, that podcast. Do you, do you know, Dave, this is my most anticipated TV show right now. I, uh, I couldn't, couldn't care less about Game of Thrones for this TV <laughs> show. Uh, starring Zach Braff, yeah, yeah, it's it's Zach Braff, and it's it's sort of loosely based on the uh, on the startup podcast. Uh, yeah. I think I think he's been involved with the writing and the development of it, along with Zach Braff as well. So Alex Bloomberg is the guy, I believe. Yes, yes, that's um, the guy. Do you do you know off the top of your head while we're on the subject if there is a UK release for that? At the moment, no, um, but it's still a bit early because it's not due out until. Uh, fall season as americans call it uh, yeah. so, so yes i i suspect it being zap braff it will come over here i'm sure it will be something e4 will look at i would have thought um oh, sure, it's yeah. right up their street so but we'll see um see how how it goes down in the ratings you know in america and you know what the uh buyers thought of it but yeah i i suspect we'll see that somewhere over here at some point it looks good so Great. Well, yeah, that's all my stuff, Dave. Well, I mean, for me, uh, as I say, I, I've been mainly kind of catching up on on things. Uh, I finished The Crown, finally. How's that? Uh, which is brilliant. Absolutely superb, that, that series. I'm really looking forward to the next one. Very kind of interesting the way that they portray some of the characters. Um, mm. uh, Claire Foy is amazing as, as Queen Elizabeth. I just... It's a brilliant take on her. And uh, Matt Smith as well, he's, he's great as uh, Philip. <laughs> uh, you know, I think uh, the funny thing was, I, there was a little story that uh, Matt Smith told about um, that meeting, I think it was Prince William, and uh, and saying, uh, and sort of, it's somebody had obviously mentioned to him that he's portraying his grandfather. So, yeah. uh, and he goes up, says, you know, I hear you're portraying my grandfather in, in this TV show. And he's like, yes, yes, I am. He's like, legend. <laughs> so, it's like, no pressure. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I know he's, he's really good. And he's, I mean, you don't know how truthful these things are, but it's, um, it's a really great take on it. I, I, I really like uh, his writing. Uh, you know, I mean, he's done, obviously this is, completely the guy's wheelhouse because it's uh you know he's done various movies and political stuff and this sort of you know about the royals and the yeah. the british political system and this kind of mashes everything together so uh I, i'm very interested to see where it goes moving forward because we've only got one more series with these two as the leads and then yes. they're going to recast everybody so as they get older they will recast people rather than age them which i think is quite an interesting idea yeah so, definitely so that's going to be cool. I caught up with Colony as well, which has just come back for its second season. I got about half a season left. It's only 10 episodes. So I got half a season left so of the first season. So I binge watched my way through that and the first <laughs> episode of the second season. That's a great sci-fi show. Really good. 
the st- second season, you know the basis of Colony. It's it's uh, set in Los Angeles, and the place has been invaded by aliens, which up until quite late on in the first season, you don't have any clue who or what they are, what they look oh, like. Sure. And they've basically dropped giant walls down to segment certain areas. And this is all based in Los Angeles, so it's segmenting sections of Los Angeles off from each other. Uh, and the two leads are are a, a family who, one, is working for the what they call the transitional government, which is, is the people, the human side of the people that are in charge and trying to maintain order for the alien invaders. And he's working for them because he believes that's a way that he can get his son back, who was trapped on the other side of one of the walls. Oh, sure. And uh, then the wife, who is basically working for the insurgents. Uh, so so you've got the pair of them kind of at opposite ends of the, uh, of the spectrum. So yeah. it's, it's really interesting very well put together the first episode of the new season you actually see how the walls came down and you they they actually kind of do it as a way of kind of introducing some new characters sure so you see some of the new characters and uh you know how the place was all segmented up but yeah i'm really enjoying that series so i'm really happy that's back New shows this week. Who do you think you are came back? Yeah. Which uh, is a, a great series. Charles Dance was the first one that they did. I mean, it oh, did, right. you know, if you're into genealogy anyway, and I, I have an interest in that. So uh, Charles, the Charles Dance one is, is fascinating, though. Sort of discovers relatives that he didn't realise he had and uh, and that sort of because, thing. Because so uh, last really year's big one was it was Danny Dyer, wasn't he? He was yeah. descended from royalty. Or, um... Yeah. Although I have to say that's slightly spurious because you go back far enough, pretty much everybody but he's descended from somebody royal. So. Of course, of course. <laughs> but um, but yeah, the Charles Dance one was really fascinating because he didn't really know much about his parents. Mm. So um, there's there's a lot of things that kind of go on there. But yeah, really interesting uh, to see that sort of history. And uh, Zoo, the wonderful, ridiculous Zoo, came back <laughs> for his third season as well, which has kind of moved everything forward 10 years, as as we saw at the end of the last season. So they've managed to cure the normal animals, but you now got mutant animals invading the mainland. Right, yeah. And uh, they're, they're trying to get back to one of the team members that they thought had died in the last season and apparently hasn't. And he's now fully grown daughter has sort of come back and he's trying to get back to him. So oh, that's good. Interesting when things get moved forward like that, like with Fargo, where the, the first two are sort of set further back in the past and they're the, the new ones like this now-ish and, they, you know, it's interesting yeah. how it jumps yeah. and they link it like that. Yeah. No, it's good. Then uh, episodes got a new trailer this week as well. Which uh, have you watched any of episodes? Uh, yes, a few. I haven't caught this trailer though. I should have to do that. Yeah, I, I, just hilarious. One of the best US comedies in recent years. Yeah, really funny. Matt LeBlanc playing a a very twisted version of himself. <laughs> uh, uh, just wonderful skewering of of the US studios and. Uh, I, just hilarious so the new trailer is brilliant it comes back in the US in August over there and then it should be a few months after that over here mm. that's usually how it runs so uh, we'll see that that's the final season of that as well looking forward to that 
And Fallout 4 is uh, it's been my main gaming obsession. I've started I, after- I saw this on the list and I thought, Fallout 4, wasn't that two years ago now? <laughs> yeah, well, the, the thing is, we talked quite a lot with Mike about it last week and uh, having got talking about it and done quite a lot of the main quest stuff in Skyrim, which is what I've been playing up until now. Ah, uh, yeah. I hadn't played through any of the DLC for Fallout 4, so I decided to go back to that and uh, starting playing through some of the DLC. I've just started touching on it right now. So I'm How are you finding it? It's great. I mean, again, the the thing I love about the Bethesda games is you can mod them to a ridiculous extent. (laughs) So uh, there's a fantastic mod that somebody's made called Sim Settlements, which is kind of taking the SimCity idea of zoning the, mm. uh, you know, the, you know, you can build up uh, a residential zone yeah, and then yeah, a commercial zone. Yeah. And, but you can build up the areas in Fallout, uh, which you could, you know, you could always do, but you had to kind of manually build all the houses and stuff. And now what yes. you can do is you can basically zone areas and the settlers will sort of build everything themselves. Oh, that's good. And set up shops and stuff. So oh, that is good. So you can sort of set it all up and then it gives you a reason to go back and visit them because they create... To see what they've done. Yeah, see what they've done and created taxes and, and all that sort of stuff. Uh, so you get money back from the businesses and stuff that they set up. But yeah, it's really, really, really nicely put together. So it's worth checking out. If you want to go back to Fallout 4, that's a great mod to go and look for. It's called Sim Settlements. But yeah, it's thoroughly enjoying it. I'm, I want to get into uh, a bit more of the DLC because I'm not yeah. very far into that. I've pl- I played through Far Harbor. It was pretty good, actually. Um, I think I enjoyed that more than the main story, possibly. Okay. Yeah, yeah very good. Uh, and I didn't play the other one, the uh, Nuka World. Yeah, yeah. So I've got that to do. I've got Those Far Harbor to do. Those are the two proper yeah. big story ones, aren't they? Yeah, and then there's one that adds loads of robot stuff in. And, yes. And uh, automation and things. So... Yeah, I'm looking forward to playing through all that. That should be good. And the other, the other bit of a little bit of news that arrived this week. Sadly, uh, Nelson Ellis, who was uh, Lafayette on True Blood and played Shimwell on the recent series of Elementary, passed away age 39 this week. And mm. uh, re- real shame, heart failure, sadly related to to drugs and alcohol abuse um, from more from something that they've released today. Uh, the family released a thing basically saying, ironically, he was trying to get off it. And that seems to be what killed him. Um, oh, yeah. he, you know, he'd been in and out of rehab and, and uh, he was trying to get himself clean. And, uh, you know, he's something happened. His kidneys had problems and his heart couldn't cope with it. And sadly not with us anymore, which is a great shame because he was a fabulous actor. And from what everybody's been saying a really lovely guy so uh so yeah real real sh- tragedy when somebody dies at that age but he was amazing on true blood it, on true blood it was a great show as well and he was a standout character for it so um but yes i think that's all the general kind of stuff for this week should we move on to some tv and film news shall we <laughs> TV and film news this week. Uh, start off as we do always with our air date updates. Few new and returning shows. We've got uh, Anna Friel is coming back as Marcella in a second series of that ITV crime noir drama. I actually miss this, and whether you caught any of it, I'm told it's very good. No, Marcella. Is it Marcella or Marcella? Marcella. Okay. I think. I, I could be Marcella. <laughs> I, it could be Marcella. I've, I'm not sure, but it's spelled Marcella. So. Sure. 
Uh, but yes, that, but that's whatever it's called. It's back for a second season. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, a kind of interesting idea. Basically, it's a, it's a Scandinavian drama set in London. It's one of those kind of Scandinavian crime noir dramas, but set in London, which is I think is a really interesting idea. So uh, I'm, I'm going to have to go and see if I can find the first season of that somewhere because that sounds quite interesting. Channel 4 renewed No Offence for a third season, which is a, is a brilliant, brilliant show if you've not seen that. Uh, you know, reads like it could be a police procedural, but it's <laughs> way, way more than that. It's hilariously funny, but incredibly dark as well. So uh, well worth going to watch. And uh, Jamestown renewed for a second season on Sky One. Uh, th- this was really good. I've I still got a few episodes. There's another one that I've got to go and catch up on, but uh, it's done phenomenally well. It got something like 1.3 million average for Ooh. the channel. Uh, was beating BBC Two and Channel Five in the time slot as well. Because this went is out the uh, the period drama, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a period drama about uh, Jamestown in the colonies and uh, the the arrival of the first women to the town. Uh, basically mm. but it, it's done brilliantly well for them so i'm i'm glad that uh that's coming back for another season i i did really enjoy the, the episodes that i saw so it looks really good and martin noxon one of the writers from buffy and angel has got a new movie out on netflix coming on the 14th of july called to the bone which is about it sounds quite serious because it's yeah. it's a it's about eating disorders and and that sort of thing. Stars Lily Collins, but it's written by Marty Noxon, who, if you know any of her writing from sort of Buffy, Angel, Grimm, I think she was involved with as well. She has a very dark sense of humour, so it's actually a lot funnier than than it it sounds. Uh, <laughs> stars Lily Collins and Keanu Reeves as as the uh, two main leads as sort of she ends up going to this rehab center for people yeah. with eating eating disorders and Keanu Reeves is the rather unconventional doctor that runs the place that seems like in a in a sort of um addressing mental health issues like in a in a 13 reasons why sort of sort of put a lot of light on that sort of thing yeah uh, and I, started a conversation about that i think that's good in programming yeah, I, I think it's going to be that sort of thing. Sure. Uh, we have spoken to a few people, if you want to go back a few podcast episodes, uh, we spoke to Sheer Kammer, who was the line producer on it, and uh, our friend Phil Eisler, who was the composer for it. So, yeah, we've we've had some experience and some coverage of this already, but I just wanted to flag up for people that it's coming to Netflix on the 14th of July, if you want to go and watch that. Moving on to some news this week. It's been a bit of a slow news week, I think partly because of the fact that uh, it was... Uh, um, traitors that sorry july 4th <laughs> excellent <laughs> uh, in in america a bit, bit of casual racism <laughs> there yeah. Um, yeah no it was uh it was july 4th in uh in america um so, <laughs> so actually dave it was july 4th everywhere <laughs> <laughs> well yeah yeah but I, you know what i mean it was sure. independence day for them so it was that out there and uh that's kind of slowed things down for on the news front in the US. And we've got Comic Con coming up at the end of the month. So a lot of people are holding stuff back for Comic Con when that arrives. Hopefully there'll be some good news after that then. Yes, I expect a lot of good news for the end of the week. Ironically, I'm in America at the, at the time when Comic Con is on, but I'm not, not at Comic Con. Of course. <laughs> so I'm, in LA, I'm in LA, not San, San Diego. So, uh, but at I, least it'll be quiet. Yes, we do. Probably will be. We'll be covering uh, stuff from Comic Con as it comes out. But uh, news we do have this week. Once upon a time, the uh, Disney TV show that sort of 
apes pretty much every Disney property they can get their hands on. <laughs> I, I'm expecting Star Wars to show up at some point. Uh, <laughs> but Once Upon a Time is uh, got a seventh season, and for many people, as probably know, there's this is quite a big reboot this season because they basically fired all but three of the cast members. Wow! So you've got the the main lead has gone. The only people that are left behind are uh, the evil queen, uh, Rumpelstiltskin, and the guy that plays Hook, and uh, Andrew J. J. West, who was introduced in the finale as uh, Henry, or an older version of Henry. Those are the only characters that stay behind. They've just announced a whole bunch of new people that are, are coming onto the show. Uh, Daniel Ramirez, who is was in Sopranos, and she was in the reboot of Heroes, and uh, she was in Devious Maids. So she's coming on. Gabrielle Anwar, who's in Burn Notice and the Tudors, she's joining. They're the two new series regulars. Then as um, recurring characters, you've got Mika Cox, who was in Undercovers and Lost and Chicago Med joining. Adele Kane, she's from Rain and uh, Team Wolf. And uh, also Rose Reynolds, who was in Wasted, the uh, E4, brilliant E4 series. I was going to say, you quite liked that, didn't you, Dave? Yeah, it was amazing, that show. And we've got some news on Wasted as well, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> but uh, and she was in Poldark as well. But yeah, Rose is lovely. I've actually met Rose. She's really, really nice. So they're joining as recurring characters. We don't know what those characters are yet. Cause but just that they'll recur. Just that they are, are, you know, the new characters coming. All women as well. They've not announced any male oh, casting. Yes. So it's an all-female announcement, that one. We know the first episode of the new series is called Hyperion Heights. There's been some speculation about exactly what that will mean, but we do know that the new show, uh, this sort of reboot version of the show, is abandoning Storybrooke, which is where the, the previous six seasons have been set, and they were moving to a new city and having a new curse. Mm. So there's... So potentially a good jumping on point for people. Y- yes. Possibly Hyperion Heights is going to be the name of the new place, maybe. So sure. we don't know. But uh, yeah, so that that's going to be quite interesting. So uh, when, when I found out that Rose was joining this, I did message her and going, uh, okay, so you're joining this, what's happened to Wasted? And... Then, unfortunately, at the moment, they're not getting a second series. Uh, she has said never say never, but basically, what they, they couldn't get the funding apparently for a second series, so it's not happening anytime soon, which is is absolutely tragic because it was brilliant that show and mm. by far one of the funniest UK comedies last year. I'm quite gutted about that, but um, what can you do? You know, what can you do? <laughs> we'll fund it ourselves, Dave. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Have a whip round. Yes, we can have a whip round for it. Uh, Once Upon a Time returns on Netflix for season seven. It should be back on the 7th of October, which is the day after it airs in the US. So, but we'll see. They haven't officially announced that yet, but I expect that when it'll land. Next up, we have Salma Blair joining the Heathers reboot. Now, do do you know the movie Heathers? No, I don't. Cult classic 80s film, which was set in a high school where uh, Sardin Renona Ryder in the original and uh, she was playing sort of one of the popular girls in high school but there was a clique of of mean bitchy girls called the Heathers because all three of the girls were named Heather and uh, one of them embarrasses her at a party and the new kind of loner guy called DJ who was played by Christian Slater in the film starts to bump off the Heathers one by one in various inventive ways yes do you know do you know why I know that film why 
It's not The Simpsons. American Dad did that. <laughs> American Dad did that in a TV, in a show. There you go, you see. You get all your references from cartoons. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the new version that they're making stars uh, Grace Victoria Cox from Under the Dome, who's playing the uh, Veronica Sawyer part, who's the main lead. It's described as a pitch black anthology series, and she's going to be dealing with a very different but equally vicious group of Heathers. So <laughs> it sounds like they, I don't know whether that's going to move out of the school setting possibly, and they're just going to have a different group of Heathers each each time. And uh, I mean, they're saying it's an anthology series, so it could quite possibly be the same kind of plot, just repeated in different situations, maybe. Mm. I'm not sure how they're going to deal with it, but... Uh, uh, they said, our take on Heathers is cinematic, surprising and twisted comedy that gives a wonderful nod to the film and also creating something entirely on its own, is what they're saying. So Ooh. we'll see. James Scully, who is a relative newcomer, is taking on the role of JD. Somebody called Melanie Fields is playing one of the Heathers. They've also said Shannon Doherty, who is one of the Heathers, I think, in the original, is going to be joining in a small but pivotal role as yet unnamed role. But, you know, it's good that they're bringing in some of the original cast as well yeah Selma Blair's character she's going to be playing Jade who's the stepmother of Heather Duke one of the Heathers she's described as a menthol smoking stripper who is rough around the edges but with a bit of glamour to her she's biding her time until her 82 year old husband kicks the bucket wow there's a, <laughs> a lot a lot to unpack there <laughs> yes so yeah that that's a uh, sort of gold diggery kind of character she's sure. she's landed I don't know it doesn't arrive in the US until next year so uh, it's airing on the Paris Paramount Network over there. No UK air date right now. I don't know. It could be an interesting one to to see that. I mean, they they are kind of mining pretty much every film property they can lay their hands on at the moment to try and make TV shows. So uh, we'll (laughs) see. Yeah, it seems so. Yeah. So, I mean, because you've had Fargo, you've had this, you've had, I'm trying to think what else they've done, but uh, yeah, there there are quite a few of them. Taken was done recently. Yeah. Um, SWAT. (laughs) So (laughs) all sorts of things. But, uh, yeah, we'll we'll see where that what happens with that. And lastly, we've got uh, Supergirl. We've got a bit of casting news for that. She's Supergirl will have a new mum when it comes back, and it's played by uh, Lois Lane or Erica Durance, as as uh, she's known in real life. Uh, uh, played Lois Lane in Smallville. Ah, uh, there you go. So you know how uh, the I was going to say, don't they try to keep those actors in? Haven't they? Didn't we talk about that before? Yeah, I mean they've they've done a really good job of taking kind of characters from older DC shows and then folding them back in again. We've had a couple of Smallville people show up, but uh, she's, you know, was quite a major part of Smallville, you know, that series. So, cause she was playing Lois Lane. Uh, Lois wasn't a character right at the beginning. She was sort of introduced later on. So she's, uh, she's going to be joining. Interestingly though, she's actually taking over the part because Allura, who is Supergirl's mum, has been in it before. That character's been in it. Played by Laura Benanti, was originally playing the character. Unfortunately, she's got work commitments in uh, New York and she's just had a new baby. So She's oh. obviously not wanting to kind of, you know, go and spend months away filming, mm-hmm. you know, in Vancouver, which is where they shoot. She wants to stay close to home and she's got work commitments there anyway. So uh, she couldn't come back and they decided Erica Durant was a good fit for the role. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be, that's, I don't think, I think that's the first time recently they've recast, Reca- like a yeah. major part. 
in one of those shows, as far as I can remember. So yeah, I think that's kind of uh, interesting, but should be uh, should be quite good. They've got a habit of doing this with the Blantiverse shows. You've got John Wesley Ship, who played Flash in the nineties, who plays uh, Barry's dad and Jay Garrick yeah. on the Flash. Brandon Routh, who of course played Superman, turned up as uh, Ray Palmer in Arrow and then Legends of Tomorrow. Mark Hamill, who obviously famously <laughs> that guy uh, so, somebody waves a light stick around uh, uh, that guy obviously voiced the Joker in the animated series and also played Trickster in the 90s version of The Flash then reprised the role of Trickster in the uh, new version of The Flash which I thought was a really nifty little idea mm. so um, and you've also got people like Dean Kane who also played Superman he plays Kara's father Helen Slater who played Supergirl she plays Kara's mother L- Laura Vandervoort popped up and she, as Indigo and she played Supergirl on Smallville so you know they, they like to keep it in the family on, on that yeah. show so. they barely have to cast anyone I suppose they've just got a list of yeah. people who used to be in Smallville <laughs> yeah yeah well and it's I think it's it's like every actor that's working in Canada will pop up on that show at some point yes, I think. Yeah. speaking of which I mean Erica Durantzikos the other show that she's been working on up until quite recently because uh, they, they just had their final season was Saving Hope and her co-star in that was Michael Shanks who also appeared in Smallville <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you know, famously was in um, uh, Stargate but played uh, Hawkman stroke Carter Hall in, uh, in Smallville as well so yeah I, I think at some point every person will end up on a superhero show I, in, I tell you what dave it's a smallville world (laughs) (laughs) very good you get a round of applause for that one Um, so supergirl of course will be back in the autumn we don't have an exact date for it yet but it's usually they tend to run a few weeks behind the us either a week or a few weeks behind the us just because they need to take a few breaks out because they break for things like thanksgiving Mm. and that sort of stuff so so yeah that's all the news for this week next up we have the interview it's that time of the year your vacation is coming up you can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze relax and think about work you really really want it all to work out while you're away monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind when all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync things just flow wherever you are tap the banner to go to monday.com so this week's interview is with the composer bryce jacobs bryce is an australian-born composer and it's fair to say he's fairly eclectic in the things that he's worked on because he's worked across tv film comedy documentary and in gaming uh he writes songs he's written scores a an orchestration he's worked as a session and touring musician for australian artists such as josh pike and guenevieve mayard he's also worked with uh, people like sophie b hawkins on an international level but it was really film and tv composing that where he discovered his passion so he moved to la and joins uh, hans zimmer's legendary remote control production studios uh, what were referred to as zimmer elves uh, <laughs> for, for the fact that there was there's so many people that go through hans zimmer's studio it's ridiculous he worked very close with uh, Ramin Jawali, who is the uh, legend that, that composes all the music for Game of Thrones and uh, a million other things these days. Con- <laughs> contributed to uh, scores such as Clash of the Titans, Pirates of the Caribbean, Being on Stranger Tides, Fifty Shades of Grey, Rush, Man of Steel, Prison Break, Twelve Monkeys, Medal of Honor, the video game, and uh, Call of Duty as well. 
So um, That's a lot of stuff. Yeah, I mean, he's worked just across the board on loads of different things. His dedication to music led to this interesting development because the other thing that he's done, he's developed his own guitar. It's entirely of his own design. It's um, got basically the same range and capabilities of, as a piano. He's pretty much the only person, I think, that can play it at the moment. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's an incredible sounding instrument. So he began kind of writing and and you can hear that in quite a lot of soundtracks particularly on things like Rush it got, and uh, I think they used it in Fifty Shades of Grey as well but he, he got used quite a lot on Rush so you can hear it in quite a lot of the soundtracks uh, the recent thing he's been composing for is a new film called Random Tropical Paradise. Here's the interview with Bryce. It's about 20, 25 minutes long. We'll see you afterwards with some highlights for next week. Hi, Bryce. Hi, how are you going? I'm all right. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks. Thanks for coming on and spending a little bit of time just to talk through some of your work and stuff. Let's start with how did you get your start in music? Well, you know, I've had an affinity with music all my life and played piano from five and started guitar at 11, but it was the following year that I, for better or worse, you know, till death do us part kind of thought I'm in when I heard Stairway to Heaven and got obsessed with uh, learning that. But <laughs> in terms of the professional world, I mean, it was a kind of... I guess through my teens, I just uh, just kind of started to do professional gigs by by default. You just find yourself playing these kind of adult or semi-adult situations. And, and um, I had a great stage band at my high school, uh, Kiriwi High School, that um, our music teacher was able to get us a lot of professional gigs back then. So it was a great a great kind of trial by fire, really. Oh, wow. and, um, and then, yeah, you know, I played in bands for years. I studied, you know, I did a couple of degrees and... And then uh, I did a lot of touring as a touring guitarist in, in, in my 20s. And then that kind of I started to morph into the film world at that point. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I can tell you, you know, if, if you're wondering how I got started in film more specifically, I could, I could give you that story. But, yeah, go um, on. Go on. How did you, uh, you get so, started in film? Well, I was playing in a band and I, um, I designed this guitar and the drummer was, you know, playing it. And I, I said that I studied and he said, do you actually orchestrate? And I said, yeah, and he said, how much do you charge? I said, I, I don't know. I've never charged for it before. And meanwhile, I had an old composition lecturer that had started an orchestration business, um, and I rang her to work out the rates. And, and she said to me, actually, if you want to help out, we're getting a bit of Hollywood work, and uh, we've got a movie coming in about a penguin that can dance but can't sing, and that was Happy Feet. <laughs> so, you know, at the same time, I was working on this Australian film called Gabriel, and I was w- working as a copyist on Happy Feet. And um that started me working as an orchestrator on, on a few different um, films, a lot of Australian films. And, you know, a couple of times a year, we get the big American ones, usually thanks to John Powell. Mm. And, uh, you know, it's I, I guess a couple of years into that, I just, um, even though I've been to the States a couple of times before, I thought, you know what, I'm going to go for three months and try my luck and see what happens. And um, and at the end of that, I, I landed a job at Remote with uh, Ramin Javadi as his, as his assistant. Yeah. So that's kind of, I guess, the start of it all. I mean, re- remote of is uh, Hans Zimmer's company. We refer to you as a Zimmer elf. Yeah, I mean, they, they, I mean, half, half the composers in LA seem to go through Hans Zimmer's place at some point in their career. Uh, yeah. I mean, it it's, seems like a phenomenal learning experience. It is, yeah. Particularly working with somebody like Ramin as well. Yeah, um, I came in as he was finishing prison break and he'd just done Iron Man the year before I'd interned at remote for a good couple of months. And <laughs> on the 89th day of a 90 day visa waiver, five hours before getting on the plane, I, he rang me up and said, let's do it. So 
<laughs> I wouldn't believe it unless I lived it. So, um, so yeah, I, a couple of months later, I started as, as his assistant, and um, and I was, you know, he was kind of a one man team at that point, mm. and only had an assistant. Um, and since then, he's obviously blossomed and you know become the Game of Thrones guy we all know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I spent some time assisting, and you know, doing kind of transitioning into, you know, the additional music uh, realm. And then I became his main additional music guy. And then I went independent in the kind of confines of remote and started working with other composers, including Hans. Um, and the, the funny thing is that the way I got out of the assistant category um, was via the guitar playing, which I, you know, kind of felt like I'd kind of semi-left behind, but um, it got me a, a bit of an attraction. So then I could then bridge into the, the writing side of things. Yeah. Um, because assistant to writer can be quite a distance. So that, that was a nice kind of sidestep, like a, a bit of currency to get me into <laughs> side of things. Yeah. I mean, you're, uh, you, we'll come back to the guitar stuff as well. Cause, uh, cause of the guitar you invented, but, um, your bio describes you as a unique and eclectic composer, uh, which I think having gone through your, your list of, of things, I, I think it's probably fair to say, cause I mean, your range of work is like composing songs, scores, orchestration. You've been session and touring musician, as you mentioned, you've done films, TV, documentaries, comedies, dramas, video games. I mean, it's kind of, they're pretty oh, much everything. Experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's I mean, it's it's it really is a, a sort of mix of of having tried pretty much any everything at at, uh, at this point. The movie you're doing at the moment is called uh, Random Tropical Paradise. It is. How did you get involved with that? Um, my agent brought it to me, and concurrently, the music supervisor um, recommended me to the director. Sanjeev. And, um, so, you know, he heard, a, I gave him a reel and, and he came and we spent a good amount of time just talking about, um, you know, a whole bunch of things. But the thing we both found a love of was that I call it that all in genre eighties sensibility where you get a film and you, you, you know, there's the comedy, there's the romance there, there's, there's some adventure. Um, you don't get a lot of that nowadays and you, you don't get a lot of that done well. And, um, when I watched the cut that Sanjeev gave me of the film, I realized that he'd done a well-crafted version of that and mm. um and I, I just fell in love with it and not you know I, I pitched it on the on email to him of what i what my angle would be and a couple of days later he rang me up and said you want to do my movie and i'm like absolutely <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how it happened. so uh where did you where did you start with that what was your sort of pitch to him and and how did you get into it there are a lot of facets to the film there's the comedy aspect there's an adventure aspect there's a romance aspect but the throughput for the whole thing and the heart of it is this bromance, you know. So it's mm. loosely it's about a, um, a groom that gets jilted on his wedding day and his best man is like, you know, w with all his underlying love and affection for his best friend and trying to navigate him through the worst period of his life is, is trying to keep him upbeat with humor, keep him distracted. So this film is, is really about this, um, this friendship that, uh, we all understand in, in, um, in different guises, mm. you know, that, that was the first thing I actually did. I wrote, I wrote the song for the film before I did anything else. Um, and spent a few days on that. It's called best man. And, uh, I played it for Sanjeev and he loved it. I mean, it was good because I thought <laughs> he doesn't like it. I've just wasted a whole bunch of days, but, um, but then that became the kind of that that bromance theme for the film that um, that what we do is we you know we juxtapose it so they might be having you know some witty banter on screen but that more sentimental music plays underneath and it gives you a sense of history and um, depth to the characters that goes beyond the scope of the film you know and then from that we had a 
a tropical mafia theme. <laughs> with, um, you know, there was that kind of yacht rock sensibility that I had a lot of fun with. There's uh, obviously romance theme. There's like a tropical theme. There's like a full on stoner on the beach forever theme. <laughs> so, but the bromance thing is the is the cohesion to it all. Yeah, one of the one of the interesting things with your stuff, which I think you seem to do a lot more than a lot of other composers, is you you add actual songs into the mix as well. Um, yeah, because you, you said you wrote a song for this. That that's quite different to quite a lot of the composers that are out there because I you know quite often they don't do that is that sort of because of your background yeah and I, and I you know songwriting is very close to my heart you know I think that I did a lot of you know wrote a lot of songs in bands and recordings in Australia etc but you know at the time I, I any production chops that I had was just via osmosis watching other people in the studio but it, you know it wasn't enough to really be able to pull anything off that I, I had in my head so I mean that was another great thing about Hans's place is that it gave me that um, skill set and filled in the gaps when it came to computer technology and engineering. And all of a sudden, there was this emancipation of you know getting these ideas out. So you know, I went through this intense couple of years of doing soundtrack stuff, and then as I came out on my own, I, I wanted to see if I could use all these things that mean so much to me. You know, the great breadth and, and depth of soundtrack music with um with songwriting and uh you know that's kind of you know best man's a bit of an a bit of an exception because it, it's a very honest i guess heartfelt song um comes from a professional and personal place and even even the vocal on it's very dry and very honest you know yeah. you want to kind of be in the same room kind of intimate feeling with it um and the lyrics i've lived every side of um usually when i'm doing a song it's much more epic you know take the walls down like i just did a reinvention of jolene for position music and that's that's a completely diff different kettle of fish. So, yeah, but I do love that you can just dip into anything stylistically that is justified by whatever narrative that you have in front of you. And, um, and then your personality is the cohesion between all that. Yeah. I was, I was going to mention the, uh, the, the cover that you did of Jolene, cause you, there's, there's a whole bunch of those songs which were up on your website and you've done sort of Jolene and crying by Roy Orbison, digging in the dirt by Peter Gabriel, a bunch of others as well. So what, yeah. what were they done for? Were they done for a specific project or were they done? Cause you fancied like, trying it <laughs> well they you know they're all kind of passion projects that i've chipped away at in my spare time just you know compelled to do and then you know eventually found a home for them in, in a lot of respects um but ironically even though you know a composer is largely considered to just deal with instrumental music with the song side of things my angle was the lyrics and that was my kind of you know the, the narrative would start first the story you know mm. And um, like, for instance, with Jolene, I'd never heard a version. I'd heard, like, obviously there's the brilliant Jolene version by Dolly Parton. The lyrics are brilliant. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, and, and every time you hear a, a guy's version, like, you know, her version is, you know, Jolene, don't, don't steal my man. The guy's version is like, Jolene, let's just run off together. But there was never this kind of in-between guy version that um, is begging Jolene not to exercise her siren-like <laughs> romantic... Yeah to completely ruin his life because he's just too weak, you know? Yeah. So it all kind of came out of there and it was just a darker, more brooding version. Um, you know, digging in the dirt was, a, you know, another one where, um, you know, when that song first came out, you know, I was quite young and I remember like, man, this, you know, Peter Gable, this is like some honest stuff, you know, mm. especially for the time. 
And more recently, um, I worked with Juliana Barilaro that uh, I got her in and I wanted to kind of show the full gamut of every, you know, emotion in that song. Like you're, you're, um, you're scared by her, you, you know, you're enticed by her and, and then you, you want to be, you know, on the other side of the planet from her, but then by the end you want to give her a hug and feel feel sorry for her. So a lot of this stuff just comes like it would from a film. It's the story, it's the narrative, and then the music it's a lot easier to work with when, once you've got that centerpiece, I think. Yeah, I mean, I was I was listening through them on the website. I really like those versions. They're uh, they're great pieces of work. So, uh, yeah, to encourage people to go on and, and have a look on your website for those because they are really good. Um, as we covered before, you you've worked, you know, you're songwriting and you've you've worked in film and TV or games do you, and games as well. Do you have any any preference? for one or the other or do you like to keep a mix of things it is a mix of things um i feel like i get to completely spread spread my wings in the in the i guess the reinvent well not reinvented like whether it's an original song or a reinvented song that cinematic song experience but having said that sometimes you know i just get over it and i, I want to do a film again you know? <laughs> i mean they're all so different you know a film it's a it's a real journey within a, um, a certain amount of time and a a TV show has a greater arc to it that you've got many hours to tell that story. And then a video game, um, especially in recent years, um, can be a real cinematic cinematic experience that yeah. you're trying to mess with the player in certain ways or try to fortify their experience. So it's they are different approaches, but all of them involve a story, you know? So Yeah, yeah. Oh. It's uh, you, the the talking of TV shows. You've taken over on Twelve Monkeys as well. Yeah, I, I did the first couple of episodes, um, and then moved on to do this a lot of this reinvented stuff. Um, right. Okay. Your music. So yeah, just kind of dipped into that for for um for the start of the uh, third season. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, and that's quite a, a, a you know a fun show, and it's. Mm just been renewed for a fourth and final season as well so so that yeah. that's quite good uh she said you worked on prison break some of chicago fire and chicago pd i noticed she popped up on uh yeah well worked as an additional guy for for a few people prison break i was uh, more purely assisting because uh, that was just the start of yeah of my la experience but but you know there's been a whole bunch of things where especially composers i love and respect you know i'm, I'm always happy to try and help them out of a scheduling bind <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. So, you know. uh, and film-wise, Man of Steel, you popped up on. Yeah, that was an interest. That was happening concurrently to Rush with Man of Steel. It was interesting because it was there, Hans got me to do, I guess, a lot of um, guitar stuff at the outset, and they actually built an instrument out of my guitar playing. Like I sampled, you know, right. spent a lot of sampling, and you can still you can hear it in aspects of the film, but especially in Hans's sketchbook, that massive half an hour thing um, on the album. But, you know, it's funny, actually, I was walking in the main kitchen one day and it was really weird because I heard my guitar playing coming down the hall in a series of notes I've never played. Behind's <laughs> doing his thing. And it, I never realized how much you can identify yourself in playing until that happened. I just walked in and was like, that's me, but I, I haven't played that before. <laughs> so that, that was the most interesting thing about that. But very quickly, I... Um, as I said, like because Russian Man of Steel were going concurrently, I started to go right down the rush path and, you know, worked extensively on that. So Yeah, yeah. and I mean, uh, I was listening to some of the tracks also on your website for, for uh, Rush. Um, and, I mean, being a guitar guy and that being a kind of car movie, those two things actually seem to mesh together really quite well. I think it's because yeah. I'm so used to Top Gear over here. You yeah. know? <laughs> I think they played that on Top Gear, actually, which is always fun. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Which my dad loves. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, 
Yeah, it's it's funny, you know. Like Hans kind of said to me, he, he, it's like he put he put a limitation on me that I, I wouldn't have thought of since I was fifteen, and he said. Um, go off and do something, but only with guitars. And I hadn't thought that way since I was a kid, like listening to a lot of Metallica, Led Zeppelin and Pink Floyd going, oh, imagine there's symphony guitars, you know? And um, <laughs> so he got me to do that because basically his um, idea was that it's set in the seventies, you know, we should have, you know, the seventies is very guitar centric. We should dip into that, but give our own modern edge to it with a, a lot more emotion injected, you know? Yeah. So, um, so I went off and laid 30, this 37 guitar thing, pull all nighters and, and um, the six minute piece. And from there, we we started to, you know, stratify that into the orchestral elements and the electronica elements. But it was a, you know, really great kind of, I guess, moment for me. And, and then combining all that with, I mean, there's a, a lot of me in there. And then there's like, you know, the, the overarching arc of Hans and his thematic work. And, um, and it was just a wonderful experience. Like I, I you know, working on a, something that's a true story, you feel like a real res- responsibility. And um, yeah. especially because Nicky Loud is still alive and, and he was going to sit there and yeah. watch that, you know, the best and worst moments of his life on screen. And it's, it's a, a I, th- I call it a, a beautiful responsibility, you know, if you yeah. get it right. <laughs> but yeah. he was very happy and um, it was a wonderful experience working with Hans on that. And I, you know, I, I learned a lot from um, from his guidance and um, and and got to you know uh, find a lot more about my own musicality in the process. Yeah, you were on you were on Rush, uh, Fifty Shades of Grey as well. You worked on. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was for Danny Elfman. I played guitars wow. on that. Um, and the, th- and the thing I laugh about is I, I haven't even seen it. Like I, I would get these weird briefs, like, you know, at, at bar 40, you know, he throws her on the bed and spanks her or something like that. I'm like, well, what's that going to sound like on a guitar? So I was like, the guitar performance that kind of hurts a bit, but you don't mind it, you know? So, but uh, but I'm actually, it's on the soundtrack too. There's two Danny Elfman tracks and I'm on those two, but that was fun. And, and also working with, with Danny, because I'm, you know, yeah. it's like Hans, you've got these people who are huge idols and all of a sudden you're speaking about, uh, speaking to them about, you know, yeah. what they, their projects. So, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. wonderful. Yeah, so it's it's great you're getting to work with those sort of people. We should come on to the the guitar as well. Yeah. Um, so you you created a seven octave guitar. Um, yep. so, so what exactly is it and why would be the two questions, I guess. Yeah, I'm still working it out now. Um, <laughs> I guess it, in my first year of university, I I remember just be, being so taken with all this orchestral music and, and Debussy and Wagner in particular and. And, um, and then just realizing that, cause you know, I, I initially, um, did a classical guitar degree, you know, I studied jazz and rock and, and all. And so I just realized that the repertoire for guitar and, and orchestral music and most other instruments was just, you know, they were parallel and never shall the twain meet unless there's a concerto or whatever. <laughs> so I started to wonder what you would have to do to a guitar to, to, to bring it more into that world. So when I went back for my master's degree, which was in composition, it became a focal point and I was determined to get the thing made. And um, so I started, I thought, well, if I take the piano as um, as a guide in both range and capabilities, then, you know, I'll take Moonlight Sonata and see how many strings I'd need and what tuning I would I would need to, to make that happen. And that wasn't too hard because obviously the harmony is um, – you know, it's it's uh, it's not as intense as um, Debussy, which I moved on to next with Claire de Lune. And then, then we started going through a lot of tunings. <laughs> and, um, and then once I kind of knocked it into shape, like I, I worked with a, an Australian guitar, Luthier um, Gerard Gillet. And he was great because at first I turned up and he said, this isn't going to fly. And then I, I started talking about different things. And then 
then he started to get excited and, and he, he was like, okay, well, if you're thinking about doing it that way, and then he became like a mentor because I, you know, I would go up to him in my, in my novice <laughs> and would, would say, can we do this? And he'd be like, no, no. Oh, yep. No, that's in path forward. You know? And, um, and he said to me at the start, like when I was about to pay him for the first installment of putting this thing together, he said, I just want you to know if this doesn't fly, it's not my fault. <laughs> but it ended up all coming together. And, um, and him and I were quite, you know, surprised, you know, this, this prototype is the one that I still use on everything and you can hear it on Rush and wow. <laughs> actually on to the end that, um, that guitar piece plays. And I, it's the first time I heard it through 11.2 or whatever. Yeah. And the thing just takes over the cinema in the, in the, in the low end. <laughs> it was pretty amazing to hear it like that, you know? And, um, yeah, so I, I do, it's a great textual tool for yeah. everything I do. So is, is is there only one of those in existence in the world then at the moment? There is, and I'm the best and worst player in it. <laughs> <laughs> I was, well, I was going to say, is it is it that much harder to learn how to play some, a, a sort of seven octave guitar over a normal guitar? Well, it, it is. I mean, you know, there's 12 individual strings, um, and there's a lot of multi-stringed instruments out of there, like the Chapman stick, et cetera, and the war guitar, but this, this was different. I didn't want it to be so tapping-centric. I wanted it to be more... Yeah. Um, you know, um, I guess typical guitar stuff. And, uh, but the thing is like, if you wrap your hands around a guitar, Nick, you've actually got a lot more, you, you give a lot more to more strings, you know? Yeah. So even though it's excessive, you can get your, your, um, hands around it reasonably, you know, uh, without too much damage. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is too, it, it kind of follows the overtone series, like with the octaves and fifths, et cetera, in the lower strings. And then the harmony gets closer up the top. So you can bar, the lower strings while you you know, your other fingers are doing, you know, working on the higher strings. So it, it does create an, a natural kind of ergonomic landscape. You know, I, I, it's something that has taught me many things as well. I mean, any instrument you put in your hand, it just, it'll take you on a journey, especially before you have any muscle memory on it. Yeah. So, yeah. It's a fascinating uh, thing to come up with. We spoke, I've spoken to people before who have made like their own instruments. We've spoken to a guy who, who sort of made them out of like, you know, boxes and make bases and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And th those sort of guys, but yes, I, th I thought this one was particularly unique, which, you know, which is very cool. So a couple of last questions. Firstly, what are you on next? Is there anything you could tell me about your next project? I have an animation coming in, which I can't talk about. So that's that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and, um, but I'm also, uh, I'm working with a couple of artists and um, kind of working on a couple of albums that's centered around this, uh, I guess this cinematic approach to songs. But not that just, the, I mean, a few years ago, and still to a certain extent, there was the bombastic kind of trailer approach, which which is great and cool. But I, I want this to be something that, you know, if you hear that on a, you know, at an album length, you, you're going to, it's pretty standoffish. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I really wanted to have an album feel with these um, couple of artists I'm working with. How long it takes us, I have no idea because it is, you know, it's balanced with other work, but um, that's the stuff I'm chipping away at. Um, yeah. which I really have, as I said, great passion for. Cool. And the last two questions, which we ask everybody, because we cover a lot of TV shows on the website, always ask what TV shows are you watching at the moment? It's the first question. Better Call Saul. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's, you know, Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul. I mean, it's, they're brilliant. Uh, yeah. So we've gone through all Breaking Bad, so now we're on Better Call Saul. My favorite TV show of all time is Six Feet Under, hands down. So yes. and the American Beauty guys kind of, went on to do that and then they went on to do, 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 do true blood but six feet under is is just unique quirky left of center heartfelt 
and incredibly well crafted. So yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So the, the, this may be covered by my my last question, but uh, if if you had the opportunity to work on any show, past, present, or future, which show would it be? Well, <laughs> I think. Well, look, I think it would be. Um, it's hard because you're already aware of the music there and the theme music. But let's just say a, a TV show came in the same vein as Six Feet Under. I'd, I'd be well in my happy place <laughs> so um yeah awesome. it's hard because i think of thomas newman and the fantastic job he did on that main theme and then um richard marvin did the, the uh, actual episode so you know um so i have to think about the, the future incantation of that <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah no it was a brilliant brilliant show um yeah. so yeah that something like that again would be awesome yeah all right i shall let you get back to your day thank you for spending a bit of time just chatting through your stuff oh you're welcome thank you it's been a pleasure so uh yes have a good day all right you too thanks so much Dave. all right cheers bye bye so that was the interview with bryce hope you really enjoyed that if you want to know more about the seven octave guitar and uh listen to some of those covers that we were talking about in the interview because yeah they're, they're amazing the covers that he's done uh you can find them up on his website which is brycejacobs.com bryce's b-r-y-c-e jacobs.com so uh go and have a look at that uh, just some great work up on there now on to some highlights for next week <laughs> Highlights for next week on TV. As we're kind of in the middle of summer, there isn't a whole lot coming back, but there are some quite big shows. Chicago Fire, which people have been waiting for forever, um, (laughs) that is finally returning to Sky Living on the 11th of July at 9pm for its fifth season. It's not a show I watch, but I know we've had messages constantly ever since it started airing in the US (laughs) of like, when's this coming back? When's this coming back? The other thing that Sky Living thankfully finally rescued, because this was a show I watched, was how to get away with murder which is back for its third season um i'm hoping they will run straight into the fourth as well after this which is why they're putting it on in july i'm hoping that this will run through and then they'll put the they'll they'll start running the fourth season as it goes out from the u.s so uh but uh, that's a brilliant show if you've not seen it it's it's wonderful kind of twisty shondaland stuff uh, as they always are with shondaland tv series but it's yeah. it's great it's really good that there's a new series coming to Netflix called Friends from College, which looks quite interesting. It's about a group of friends from Harvard. It stars Colby Smulders, even Michael Key from uh, Key and Peele, Fred Savage from The Wonder Years, Anne Passery, uh, Nate Faxon, Jay Sook Park. And they're basically playing a bunch of ex Harvard College buddies who meet up again in their forties. Worth a go, in it could be could be anything with Colby Smulders in. It's worth a go, as far as I'm concerned. It's a Netflix one. <laughs> that's a Netflix show. Starts on the 14th of July. That one. So, so uh, I mean, go that'll go, go to the, straight to the bottom of your list, run it, Dave. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's always the problem with Netflix shows because you know they're going to be there for a while. Sure. You don't immediately they're not going have, anywhere. Yeah. Although there isn't a huge amount to watch around so I, at the moment, so I may go and. Uh, pick that up and and then finally we have minor little show called game of thrones which uh, returns for its epic seventh season oh, i can how I, exciting i can say epic because it will be epic you know it's <laughs> going to be epic the last sort of ended with a bunch of people on boats heading towards king's landing if i seem yeah. to remember for with various dragons in tow and uh yeah king of the north and yes 
it looks fantastic. I'm sure it'll be brilliant. Obviously, we don't know any more about it than that. But yeah. uh, returns on the 17th of July at 2 a.m. So it's simulcasting as usual with the US. It will then go out at, like, I think it's 9 or 10 p.m. on the same evening as well. So looking forward to that. Should also mention we are, I'm doing a podcast with Matt as a sort of preview thing coming up. That'll be on Entertainment Talk later on in the week. So keep an eye out for that we're recording that on Wednesday I think so uh, keep an eye out for that it will be over on entertainmenttalk.org so unless you've got anything else you'd like to add I think that's uh, everything for this week no that's it watch Game of Thrones and listen to our podcast Civil Partners on iTunes and yes. wherever you get podcasts yes Civil Partners so if you want to find the latest air dates and TV information and all that good stuff you can find us at geektown.co.uk if you want to get in touch with your questions and comments you can email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk leave a message on the website post find us at geektown on twitter on facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown on youtube at youtube.com forward slash geektown and on instagram at geektown uk that's everything we shall see you next week bye 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 guys A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.